Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Season three of this podcast is sponsored by the Charles E. Kubley Foundation, which supports efforts to reduce the stigma of mental illness. We are solely responsible for podcast content. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. So one of our goals with the podcast is to explore unique perspectives on depression. Mm-hmm. We're interested in everybody's view. We're hearing how the teenager views it, the experience of life with brain disorders, what it's like to be a senior citizen with depression. I mean, we're really just trying to reveal its complexity mm-hmm. and, and its variety. Mm-hmm. We've had people who like, you know, swear by their meds and say they truly believe they wouldn't be alive if they weren't on them every day. Yep. And there's others who swear merely at the suggestion of them. <laughs> <laughs> and today our episode is going to present a truly unique perspective. Not only does our guest live with depression himself, and is a suicide loss survivor like many of us, he interacts on an intimate level with people on their darkest days, hearing their darkest thoughts. Kevin joins us now to give his voice to depression. Kevin is a 54-year-old Army veteran, a man who grew up doing manly things. I used to do a lot of bodybuilding. I was the motor sergeant for the highway patrol in the Marin area. I worked at San Quentin. I jumped out of planes in the Army. These macho jobs where you don't show a weakness. So it may not be surprising to hear him say... Mind you, I always thought mental illness was a crock. Many, 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 many years ago. It's a weakness. It doesn't happen to people. You know, get up and get to work, get going. And Kevin could always get up and get going. That wasn't the problem. I could go to work and function at 100% and be great. But when I went home, I did nothing. I could sit on a couch for days, and I didn't want to go see my boys. I didn't want to walk the dog, wash clothes, go to the grocery store. I didn't want to do anything. And it was very, very, very strange. And I didn't put this together for a long time. Suffered for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought this was kind of normal for whatever. Maybe I'm just burnt out. I did not have an open mind when I started. I was the typical type A cop. Whatever we saw as a traffic cop, death, whatever else, you suck it up, you come back to work, you do it again. All this is going to take a toll. It eventually took enough of a toll that Kevin decided to go to his doctor, just to check. He had me take this test out in California. I don't know if it's nationwide, but it's called the PHQ-9, Personal Health Questionnaire 9. Nine questions about how you're feeling, um, are you sad, and and these other ones uh, about depression and things. And I failed it pretty good. Kevin was diagnosed with depression and PTSD, medical diagnoses for medical conditions. So the depression that occurred with me took a toll, took a heavy, heavy toll until I realized that, you know what, man, this this is real. This mental illness, this is real. Uh, Let's work on it. Mm -hmm. And it may take a long time to get things to where you can get to somewhat back to normal or hopefully even better. But there is help and there is hope. Help and hope. Kevin, whose full name is Sergeant Kevin Briggs, has given so much of both to so many that he has a media nickname. 
<laughs> they say the guardian of the Golden Gate, which I don't really like. Yes. Because I think there's many guardians of many Golden Gates around the world. Kevin, a retired California patrol officer, is widely credited with encouraging more than 200 people contemplating suicide from the Golden Gate Bridge to come back to solid ground. We got the chance to talk one-on-one with him in Washington, D.C. at the Active Minds Conference where we were both presenting. He, of course, was the keynote speaker. I appreciate the work you have done, the work you're continuing to do. Thank you. You know, I think it's really important, and I think the more people, uh, you know, we can convince that they're not alone, that there's nothing, there's something wrong with them in the way that they have an illness, but that they're not broken or less than or flawed. Right. Those are important messages. You know, I used to say it's like a cancer. We need the medication to help. But really, it's it's more of like diabetes. Mm -hmm. It can be lifelong. And if we don't handle it, whether that's through therapy, drugs, whatever else, it can get worse. So don't be ashamed about it. If you are suffering, um, there is help out there. There is help. Sometimes it takes a while to get things right. Especially meds, it seems. Yes. And therapists. They're both hard. And if you go to a therapist Mm -hmm. and you don't particularly connect, develop rapport with that individual, see someone else. Therapists should tell you, too. You know, for some reason that we're not clicking, I will tell you, and you tell me, and there's no harm, there's nothing. So go into it with that, too. Find the right person. And when you find someone that clicks, it's really neat. And it, you know, I think I'm all about therapists. I think they're great. Um, I've just started to go to one again, and I'm looking forward to it. But a, a good friend or an understanding soul can also be a very good place to turn when you just need to talk and be heard. Yes. You get that right individual that... Boy, they can make a, you know, just to be able to open up to someone. Many times that's what folks, even over the rail on the bridge, they just wanted somebody to listen to them. If somebody would listen, they wouldn't have got up to that level. Why can't we do it down here at this level before someone gets up to that part? And what do you think is the primary reason that people get to that point? Um, financial, personal relationships are, are really, really big. And then there's folks who suffer from mental illness who either feel that they have not been heard or diagnosed properly or the medication is is too much for them. The side effects they can't handle and they haven't been back to their doctor to see what can we do different or they don't have access to help. And, and if they feel they don't have access to help, then what's the use? And another key point about medication not everybody needs medication, but if you do, don't stop your medication. That's a big one. One of the one of the things I found with folks on the bridge was if they were taking a medication for mental illness, almost every single person had stopped it a month prior. And that's huge. Do not stop the medication without doctor's advice. Kevin says for a number of reasons, he didn't grab people on the bridge and pull them to their safety. And I think there's a lot of dignity in doing that on your own, coming coming back over. I tell folks it's like looking into someone's or like a baby's eyes. They're brand new. They're kind of they're kind of scared, but they're awake. They're happy to be here. Um, the pressure's off them. Everything that that put them to the point to why they went over is still there. They'll have to work on that, but they're here and they have that opportunity again. So I think it starts them on a very new path. 
And when they do come back over, Kevin takes the opportunity to ask them what about their exchange helped and what didn't. He shares both lessons with us. What did help? Most of the time, it was just listening, just being there. Because it, and, you, and I tell folks, even though I went through the FBI school, CIT training and some other schools and things, it doesn't matter. Because if you don't have the empathy, you can have all the doctorate degrees you want. You're not going to be any good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can come up on that bridge or wherever else, and if you have empathy and you care about people, I think you'll do well. It's tough talking to someone in these situations. These are very, very courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have them, we're going to lose a lot more people. And what didn't help? A number of things. People would tell me that sometimes I would talk fast. You get nervous up sure. there sometimes. And and what I found was some people would say, well, you talk so fast. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. it. So I tried to put myself in their situation. Right. And we think, wow, they have so many things going on in their head. This is life and death that if somebody's talking to me, it would really be helpful if they'd slow down so I could take in word for word. So And the calming effect of that as yes, well, right? Yes. yes. I naturally talk fast. I would force myself to talk slower, mm-hmm. not to dumb it down because yep. these are not dumb people. But mm-hmm. that's very, very tough circumstance to yeah. be in. You know, that's a grave situation. Yeah. So take some time with it. Mm-hmm. I'm in no rush. I don't want them to be in any rush. I want them to come over when they're comfortable and and we hope for the best. What does that do to you? So at the end of a day when you've talked to someone, you said, you know, one lasted eight hours. What mm-hmm. are you like after that? Are you just completely run tired. out? Or are you invigorated? I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> you get invigorated when someone comes back. Mm-hmm. And, and the couple that I did lose... The losses, they stay with you forever. And you see them and they're there. If they start overtaking you and causing you your your life not to function as you would, then we got to seek some help. It never even occurred to me that when yeah. you jump, you watch them jump. You're not supposed to. I push people back. Um, but the ones that I have lost, I have watched go down. Mm. And for whatever reason, one is I don't want to lose the body. Those waters are very, very treacherous. So I mark it with my eyes. We have flare markers that we throw down. It's very, very important that we uh, get that body. You know, going on a whole different note here. But I did, and that is forever ingrained in my mind. But we try to think of the folks that we have helped. And I don't use that word saved. I always say that. I agree. We, We didn't rush into a burning building and pull them all out. We helped them in a very bad day. So those are the ones that we try to focus our thoughts on more. And what does the guy who has helped other people choose life, uh, what do you do to take care of Kevin? Um, I have a little chihuahua. Mm-hmm. That Her name is Bella, and I just love her to death. My first small dog ever. Hated small dogs, kind of like Madeline. Hated small <laughs> dogs growing up. But I have one because I travel a lot now. <laughs> but there's my two boys who are 14 and 16, and they're very good with their sports, um, going to their games and watching them. I don't go to professional sports. I don't get involved in that anymore. Um, but to go watch my boys play is, is is really, really cool. So anytime I'm home and they have a game, I'm, I'm there. And you're willing to take meds if you prescribe them? I'm taking two different medications at this point right now for this. And, you know, there are side effects. And some of them suck. But I'm still here. I'm happy to be here. I want to be here. And I know, you know, if if it gets bad that... I can talk to folks or I can go to my doctor and say, hey, um, I have a very good psychiatrist. 
that actually really sit down and listen to me and take the time and say, okay, well, let's try this. Or she'll ask me, how do you feel about that? Which is really neat. Yeah. So there's some good people out there. And without doubt, Kevin Briggs is one of them. Man, that theme, Terry, of people just want someone to listen to them is, it just comes up over and over and over again. And every time I hear it, I think in order for somebody to be listened to, they need to talk. So they need to, you know, put words to their experience. They need to put words to their feelings. They need to give the voice to their version of depression. And like he says, you know, Kevin called these, he said, these are courageous conversations. And if someone had listened to them, they wouldn't have gotten to that level, which is interesting. Just what you said, right? We help them on a very bad day. Is that like the understatement of the year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a life-changing and life-affirming day as well. Absolutely. And we have to point out that the vast majority of people with depression do not take their lives. But having depression, particularly untreated, can increase the risk of suicidal ideation or attempts. So, again, absolutely, talk if you need help. There's no shame in it, whether it's your doctor, whether it's a hotline, whether it's a helpline, whether it's, you know, a family member, a friend. Do what you got to do because, you know, it can literally be life or death. Absolutely. And as Kevin said, there is help out there and there is hope. And any one of us can give either or both. Bye, Bridge. Love you. Bye, Terry. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.